Welcome to One Topic, where we stick to one topic. My name is Greg Russ, and this week, joining the show is, introduce yourself. Tim Andrews. Tim Andrews. That's right. Hello, thanks for having me. I'd like, well, you're welcome. I'd like to say that Tim is here because Autumn was busy this weekend. It's not that she's being removed from the show. Well, I thought I was here because we were going to reveal what was going on with our relationship over the past six months. Well, I would like to say that if we were having a relationship over the past six months, I would like to talk about that. I would like to put that out in the open. I wouldn't want it to be a secret. Right. Well, it's something that we had to keep secret. I don't see a wave line on me. Are you getting me? I know. Yeah, you're there. Okay, I'm there. Well, you know, you you made a big deal about the wave line before the show started. Well, I just want to make sure that we have one of the best episodes ever, even though it's probably going to be one of the worst episodes ever, because the topic of the show is procrastination and in true form for the topic. Usually I do some show prep for these shows. I'll at least put ideas down or little paths I want to explore. I did nothing. So I procrastinated for the the procrastination episode and not to be cute. That wasn't by choice. It actually just worked out that way naturally. So how fitting. That is fitting. And, uh, as someone who's procrastinated most everything throughout my life, I can I can relate to that. I have. I mean, my whole life. I can think about instances in my head 40 years ago where I procrastinated. Maybe not that far back, but 35 at least, certainly in high school. Got him all. Let's go back to high school. Now, even out before high school, anytime I was in school and a project was assigned homework, I'll start with homework, for example. I hated it and I wouldn't do it. And the moment in high school when you have that breakdown where 10% of the grade is homework and 60% is tests and 20% is quiz. I said, oh, 10% homework. I can do my homework one fourth of the time. I do well on tests. I'll still get a good grade. And I wouldn't do the homework because that or a project, an essay, anything I had to write, it was such an imposition to me. When it was assigned in class, there was anger that surged through my body. I thought, how dare you? How dare you interrupt my life? I had plans and my plans didn't really entail anything, but it entailed being left alone. And now that has been blown to shit. (laughs) When I was in high school, I felt the same way. Now, the teacher would, I didn't mind the pop quiz, but when, especially in classes that were involved mathematics, where you had to go home and do all that homework and, and get everything right and get all the you know, I don't know if you did this in your school, and I don't know how they do it now, but you actually have to show all the work, right? Remember, you started the, the, the formula and you'd have to get to the answer. That was an imposition. Chemistry class was an imposition because you had to go home and do all these chemical breakdowns and stuff. And it's like, I'm not going to spend my whole fuck. I want to watch TV. So that's why it was an imposition or do other things. And even if I had nothing else to do. I didn't want to do my homework. It was stupid. And so in the same way, I did okay on tests. I did okay on other things, but I always did poorly on homework. Um, well, I think we're, we're very similar in the sense that there's a freedom that we want, but it's not a freedom to do things. It's just a freedom from things. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Freedom from responsibility, from having to be accountable, <laughs> all that. That'd be wonderful. But then again, it's not. So but to, to your point, you know, you, it carried on with me. Until I was a senior, I started as a, in my senior year in high school, I did real shitty the first and second quarters. And then I had a teacher who I really liked who dragged me into a cafeteria. He was mad at me because I was doing an impression of a student teacher and made that cre- teacher cry because of my impression of him. And this, is a, this was a college kid in 1987 who was crying because of my impression of him. 
in front of the class. So is the impression at that point, are you making fun of him or are you just doing an impression? I was just doing his voice. I mean, I was a kid and even though he was a college kid, um, he was still a, an authority figure. So I wasn't mocking him or anything. I was just doing his voice and, and you know, I was nailing it and I, I've done that, you know, I've done that my whole life, but he, uh, he didn't like it and he, he cried and complained. And then my teacher's face was red and he had, he had had polio as a kid. So his arms were frozen out front. So he's pounding on the table, like yelling at me after that, the next two quarters, which would have been my third and final quarters. And uh, I made straight A's the third and then on a roll on the fourth. And I couldn't believe it. And I did that by coming home and doing my homework before I did anything else. And when you do that, um, you actually get this, oh, wow, I, I have time. But then you have time, and then you don't have that pressure. And then when you don't have the pressure, you don't feel normal, if that makes sense. No, it makes, it makes complete sense. Going back to the freedom from things, the easiest way to alleviate that, because things are going to come into your life that impose in some way, shape, or form, is to just handle it right away. Yeah. But I did, I, if, if there is a deadline that's set two weeks in the future, I just the best way to alleviate whatever anxiety it triggered was to kick it down the road. I was like, I'm just forget about it. On the flip side, work now, you know, my job, I'm a post-production supervisor, but throughout the day, a lot of people are reaching out and they need things. And these things don't have uh, deadlines that are, you know, days, the videos themselves that are being delivered do, but um, the, the things that I need to do quite often are requests that need to be done pretty quickly. And the old tactics of stalling don't work. So now I become so overwhelmed if I'm working on one thing and something else comes in while I'm working on that, I'll stop doing that to get that thing out of the way. And these things can start to pile up because now I have adopted the, the practice of getting rid of it immediately. It's like, okay, this is here. I cannot relax. I can't enjoy my coffee or anything. Uh, this, this egg and cheese sandwich until all of this is off my plate. And it really, I don't, it's no way to go about living because then the smallest requests Something very simple pisses me off to no yeah. end. Yeah. When I was editing video, if I got feedback, feedback that made sense, I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense to change this. I would be pissed. I was like, how dare you? Who the <laughs> fuck do you think you are telling me to change this? <laughs> Why? Because if I'm really care caring about the quality of the final product, yeah, we're working to make it better, but it was just, you came into my zone. I drew this circle around myself that you can't see and you crossed that line and now I'm angry. Yeah. And you're right. Even if it made sense, I, I'll go to something. When I first met you as promotions director at 96 rock and I was always busy, always. And especially the first two years when I cared and there were times when I wouldn't leave and I'd get in there at seven o'clock in the morning and I wouldn't leave till six or seven o'clock at night. And it was just all day. But a lot of that had to do, especially toward the weekend, a lot of that had to do with procrastination. So, you know, whenever we'd have a concert, we'd give away tickets, right? And you had to do a proposal to get the tickets. And after the show, you had to do a recap and you had to send those to the marketing people. I felt like doing the proposal was an imposition on me, so much so that the two major marketers in town both knew that and had a template for me for each one. <laughs> and so I didn't have to submit anymore. I would just get a confirmation that I was either approved or not. And then my recaps took so long that they created a template for me, you know, so it, it worked itself out and I didn't have to lift a finger on that front. There was a point. So when I first met you, you doing that job and me not knowing you so well, you do think, oh, that guy's really got it together. And as I got to know you more, 
mm-hmm. and understand your personality. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we are alike on. Yeah. Uh, that's the reason, by the way, we're doing this topic is procrastination. We'll get to some of this. Tim and I have talked about doing things, working on creative projects together <laughs> that I think that we, we both really want to do them. Yeah. The intention is there, but it just never manifests. But as I got to know you more, and as I moved into different jobs in my career, jobs that required more responsibility or had smaller things attached, because you know, before I was working in radio um, and being on the air, that's your job. You're on the air, and that's about right. it. Some prep, mm-hmm. maybe you know, there's there's appearances and things, but nothing, no small tasks that come tied to it. But as I got more familiar with some of these other jobs, because I was a promotions coordinator at the radio station here in New York when I was working there, when I was also on the air. And I thought of you, I was like, how the hell did Tim ever do promotions director? How mm-hmm. the fuck did he accomplish that job? And how, what was your run? Well, you, well, you were promotions director at 96 Rock. Were you doing that before somewhere else? No, I was working at a, an ad agency that was located in Sandy Springs off of Mount Perrin in a guy's house. This guy, his company was doing television commercials for radio stations. Now, in the in before his company came along, there was maybe one or two major ones. But radio stations in bigger markets and smaller markets had budgets to run television advertising. And you could either get a custom commercial or a templated commercial, something we shot for a big radio station. So I'll just give you the shorter story. 96 Rock had always done work with our company. It was called IQTV. Sometimes they do customized stuff. They did a customized run with Larry and Eric. Uh, from the regular guys, the one with the, you know, the dad died. Mm-hmm. Very creative, didn't move the needle at all. They didn't need that. You know, Larry and Eric being Larry and Eric and that first run of the regular guys shows, it was just a constant build of audience and they didn't need the TV ad. But anyway, um, in 2000, they, uh, they wanted to do um, a generic, you know, spliced together spot and it was called Lyrics and it was just weirdos reading modern day lyrics off the back of a CD. Have you ever seen that commercial? You know, like uh, squeeze my limb until the juice runs down my leg. Weird shit like that. In fact, one of them, we went out to LA and shot for kiss FM anyway. So long story short, I'm babbling, but um, I'm procrastinating getting to the meat of the story. Um, So I did this commercial for 96 rock. And at that time I, I knew that I was like, okay, I'm almost 30. I've always wanted to just be in radio. I was making pretty good money at this company. And so I sit down and I meet the the program director, the new program director of 96 Rock. And the whole time I'm working with him, directing the editor on, you know, the shots and stuff like that. I was the producer. I said, no, get rid of that shot or, or do this transition and shit. And, uh, and also paying attention to the radio biz and, and emailing people and stuff. So a couple of weeks after their commercial is done, Tim Dukes was his name. He calls me and says, hey, man, do you want to meet for lunch? I was like, sure, I don't know what he wants. I'll meet this guy for lunch. I go to lunch, and he pretty much tells me what's going to happen that year. And in the fall, he wanted to bring me on as the promotions director. And I said, all right, well, I used to do this for Z93. Why don't you hire me part-time, and then people will get to know me, and so on and so forth. So by the time September rolls around, the person um, leaves that that I'm going to replace, and I get the job and I start the job and uh, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no clue. I'm reading bo- reading online. What does a promotions director do? And my first week, 
uh, he starts taking jobs away from the marketing director of the cluster who they wanted to get rid of also. And I was put in a weird position. Like you need to start writing the liners. So I go to this guy's office and say, Hey, Tim wants me to start writing liners. And the guy's like, Oh, fuck. You know what I mean? This is weird, weird scenario of a new regime coming in and uh, firing people and bringing their own people in. And so anyway, I didn't know what I was doing. I had to I had to learn everything. That's why I was there so late. And I was talking to different people, you know, in the building and stuff. So after I became the 96 Rock Promotions Director, they, you know, they started flipping the other signals. Uh, WGST went to mix. So I had to do that. And then there was Wild 96.7. I had to do that. And uh, just weird stuff. But it was a trial. stations. What did they have ultimately at the Clear Channel? The five stations? When I was there, it was 96 Rock, Mix 105.7, um, Wild 96.7, Peach 94.9, WGST AM. So five. And you had to oversee all of those? Uh, I only had to oversee three of them. Okay. Only three, three of them. them. Yeah. And then, you know, those stations all flipped formats and people came and went throughout my four years there. And uh, once the once the spring of 2000, after the Super Bowl 2004, and then after the regular guys got fired, the job, I couldn't stand it anymore. We had Bob and Tom in the morning. It was terrible. I did, they brought in all these new people. I didn't like any of them. So I decided I had to leave and get out of it. And I went into sales for a little while. And while I was in sales, I just came home every day, got stoned and uh, played Xbox. And then I'd go back in and do my call sheets. <laughs> I can't imagine your mindset even while being a promotions director. Because again, when I was promotions coordinator, in my mind, I was going to a coordinator is just helping the director. Yeah. No, 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 no. But, but my job in my mind is okay. I moved to New York. I'm on there on the weekends. I'll do this because it's some additional income. I'll do this for a year. After the first week, I knew that I wasn't going. I hated it. Oh, it was horrible. It. Yes. To the point where it would consume me because of all the responsibility that came with it. And maybe if I had given myself a chance to organize and figure out a system, I could have done it. But that doesn't even cross my mind. It's just, this is here. I don't like this. I'm not going to do it. Uh, and I sabotaged that job pretty quickly. So you having all this responsibility, mm -hmm. I can't imagine. And then also you went into sales, but then did you go back into marketing at Dave? Yeah, but well, that's what I did. I, I, while I was doing sales at, at uh, Clear Channel, I, I started interviewing and Margo, you remember Margo, she worked for a while at Clear Channel and then she went to CBS. I she, remember Margo. Yeah, she was a nice Another. person. Another secret. Never mind. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I forgot about that. As, I, <laughs> as soon as I said her name, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know Margo. And uh, she helped get me in at Dave FM. And that was a marketing director job. So I go in. I had no idea what the salary is going to be. They lay the salary. I'm, I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, I'll take this. And that was fun for a little bit. But it was weird. And we were in two different buildings. And, and you know, it's no big deal. But it, everything that I had learned at the cluster at Clear Channel made the job at uh, CBS easy for me to do. There was just internal problems and I ended up going back to Clear Channel in the fall of 2005 doing uh, regular guys. That's when I just went ahead and decided to try to be talent. But to get back to what you were saying, and I had to create a system for myself in which I could get things done as the promotions director for mainly 96 Rock, but the other stations while also you know, being able to procrastinate on things that don't matter, which is how I ended up getting really, really fat and how my apartment ended up being really, really shitty because I could only focus on one thing and the other things have to go by the wayside. If that makes sense. No, that makes sense. I'm, 
I'm thinking about the different ways I procrastinate though, because we're talking about things that we probably didn't really want to be doing in the first place. Yeah. Like you moving into talent. This is probably something you wanted to do for quite a while. And I'm going to assume you can tell me if I'm wrong or I'll just speak for myself. If I were in a spot to get a, a promotions director gig at a radio station and I wanted to be on the air, in my mind, it's like, all right, it's a way in to get in the door. Mm-hmm. So I'll do that for a little bit and hopefully I can get to the thing that I want to do. And I feel as though, you know, procrastinating with things that you don't want to do, that makes sense. If you're a professional, I guess you got to figure out a way to do it and do the best job right. that you can. But, you know, this happens, but also on the other side, things that I actually do want to do. I also procrastinate on and there's, there's definitely a difference there. I can understand. All right, this sucks. I don't really want to do this. I'm above this. I'll even say that maybe it makes me sound like a jerk, but you know, when I was promotions coordinator, I did think, come on, I'm above this. I should be doing more than this. Why am I sitting here scheduling the street team, (laughs) having them, having them pass out, uh, so 101 RXP, 1019 RXP was uh, the station here in New York. And it was, it was relatively new. I mean, it was new. Triple um, A or uh, like a, it was, yeah, it was a rock station with triple A leanings. Um, but they were doing the promotion with postcards, go out to an event and put postcards on everyone's windshields. I hated the idea to begin with. Uh, there was a time <laughs> Sorry, I'm jumping around now. No, it just reminded me of something I had you do when, when, but we'll talk about that in a second. (laughs) Okay. All right. Let's get to that because I was going to jump back to. So, I, I, in my mind, if I own a car, I'm putting, I'm coming out to my car and this is on my windshield. It's not going to make me want to listen to the radio station. It's going to anger me. And then the marketing director at some point had this brilliant idea of making them look like parking tickets. He's like, you're an idiot. You're an absolute idiot. That's no, nobody's going to walk up to their car and be angry they got a parking ticket and then relieved when they realize it's not one and say, oh, what's this radio station? I'm going to listen to it. So I was a bad boss in the sense, you know, I also felt as though I knew what was better. But ultimately, it's like, I don't, because I don't even believe in this, I don't want to do this. Uh, the street team, I don't want to put them, they're, they're my employees, I don't want to put them in a bad spot. So I told them, it's like, go out, put a few on some cars, take some pictures, discard the rest any way you want go home. Yeah. Like what, what an awful, like if I'm supposed to be a professional, I'm not doing it, but I'm at this point where I'm annoyed that I have to do these things and, and people are bothering me. And then I have decided that I will make them pay for some reason. And it's like, I I'll show you how dare you <laughs> bother me to yeah. do this job you hired me to do. Um, there was a time going back to clear channel too. I don't remember what I was doing. I was just in promotions. I don't know if this is what you were going to say, but they wanted to send the buzz around to high school football games. Well, it's buzz related, but not that. I do remember that, that every Friday night they were sending the, like, ooh, these stupid little footballs that had the buzz on it. And that, go ahead. I just, I thought that was an asinine idea also. Yeah, it was a terrible idea. And it's like, this is not, now, I, now, f- I'm not I, wrote, I wrote an email pretty much <laughs> saying I thought it was a dumb idea. And I realized now I was out of line to do that. I should have just. Who'd you send it to? Uh, Scott. Scott. Oh, Scott Biker. Yes. No one knows who that is. I won't do the impression, but that's that's where I was headed. You know, when you, like you're talking about in New York, when you're the promotions coordinator and you know, something is a stupid idea or you have an idea that you want to do that. They're like, Oh no, that's too out there. But usually 
when I was a promotions director for the first couple of years, I had autonomy for the most part. And then we had a guy named Jim, who was the marketing director, who was really good. Okay. I really liked working for him. He was a good boss. He got in the trenches with you and he was funny and he understood it. Once he left, they brought in the guy that you mentioned and everything just became, well, why don't we do this? And why do we do that? And everything was hokey and stupid. One of the things when the buzz came around, and this is the weird thing, we'd have these big events, Music Midtown, which again, I would procrastinate leading up to that. But anyway, that's, that's what we're talking about. But on the ground, you know, they had the buzz, which is this signal that maybe shaved a quarter of a, a rating off of 99X. I don't know what it was intended to do, but it, it never really worked, whatever their plans were. I feel um, like the, the plan was to just take a little bit of ratings away from 99X to make 96 Rock, 96 Rock look better in the, the Rock demo. Right, but at the same time they did that, they fired their morning show and then decided to put on goofy shows all day long. Like, you know, there was all these team shows, yes. you know, like uh, Dick and Justice. They were nice guys, but that show, and then at night, BC and Bubba. I mean, that, that show was just a nightmare. But The BC and Bubba show quickly. I know we're getting off, whatever, we're getting off topic. The right. BC and Bubba show pre-recorded at some point, but they wanted them to do phone calls. Yes. So I was sent in with a pre-recorded soundboard to answer calls to the station. So callers would be calling in and I'd I have to click the appropriate buttons on the soundboard to have the fake conversation with the caller. So then that could be aired because those guys weren't in Atlanta. They were in Tampa. Where Bubba was. Bubba was here. He was. Oh, dead. that's right. But they still pre-recorded the show, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was that was the time when I had to have all the liners done by noon. And I was like, this sucks. What am I wasting my fucking time? Um, but my what I was gonna bring up is so 96 Rock, Clear Channel, whatever, they 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 were stuck in 1990 while 99X was in 2003. We had that one music midtown where um we had to send these buzz guys out with the police tape and uh and put it on all their vehicles. It was all these dumb radio war shit. But the funniest thing was you went over to Z93 the first year they had a, a stage at Music Midtown and just started popping all their balloons, grabbing. You remember that? <laughs> I didn't ask you to do that. You just came back and said, yeah, I popped all these balloons and grabbed there, people. There, there was a period where when I got in, I, my allegiance was with 96 Rock before I understood the corporate workings. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, this is the radio station. I'm young and I'm in and I, this is great. And yeah, I went over and popped C93's balloons. I also think that I went to the back of a beer tent. Not the year I was working because there was free booze in the tent for right. the radio stations. But there was one year I was wandering around. I snuck in the back of a beer tent and grabbed a six pack. Well, I also, I also okay. stole a guy's wallet who was <laughs> oh, nice. No, what a shithead. <laughs> My God. So he's crowd surfing and he went over uh -huh. me and I reached in his back pocket and took his wallet and I took the 60 bucks out of it. But then I thought, eh, but he's going to want these other things. So I took the wallet to Lost and Found after that. So hopefully he can find it after well, I took nice. cash. Yeah. And yeah. The, the honorable thief. What a gentleman bandit. And how about me being the boss? Uh, 2002, 2003, Music Midtown, maybe even 2001, just getting shit-faced the entire time and letting the employees drink. And just like, I don't give a shit. I mean, I have pictures of myself from then. I'm embarrassed. I drove uh, three employees who had gotten a hotel room to their and I fell asleep at the red light. I was so drunk. They're like, Tim, wake up. Like, oh, yeah, there you go. It did set a standard. I'll say that. Yeah. Our, our boss is doing this. So we can also do it. Never mind that we're under, look, I thought it was great. I had so much fun. If you do talk about those th those days, there's a lot to bitch about with corporate management, but it also still 
affords you a, an us versus them mentality, which, you know, in retro, when you're living it, it's not the best, but mm-hmm. look, it's like, yeah, there was this team of people who got it and these other people who didn't and the people who got it, it was fun. And we did these stupid things and, you know, can you really justify a lot of the things that we did? No, no. But looking back because no one really got hurt. I'm again, I'm not, I'm not saying it makes it all right, but you, you can put that sheen on it. Yeah. When you're thinking about, yeah, that was fun. Those were great times. Uh, and I loved it. Nobody fell off a building. Well, wait, I, <laughs> we don't need to go into that. I did work hard. See, so I mean, yeah, you worked really hard. And in that industry, when you're surrounded by mediocrity and you know it, or you have people that work above you that you know are creative and you know are smart, but they have to limit themselves because of the people who are above them. You know, it's it's a weird thing, and and it's entertainment, and it's you're you're stuck with the um, duality of going a oh, radio. No one likes us. We're all idiots. They think we're all morons, but it is also a beloved uh, medium. So you have that that dual nature with it. Well, I'm, it's cool that I'm in media, but I'm in radio. I always liked it. It's an accessible medium. Yeah, I love it. I th- and I think that you know that over the last ten years, as podcasting has crept in, it goes way back even farther than that reacting to the internet instead of leading and they've always reacted they're still reacting instead of leading you know what i mean and in and eric points this out on our show everything is reactive in radio and especially when we were in promotions it was oh hey you know there was a good movie coming out let's do a promotion on that okay it was a month ago i mean you know, if you want to tie this into the topic it, it, it's right there i don't even feel like it's a stretch there's a procrastination on radio's part a lot yeah. of old media to yep. change, uh, you know, and I guess that's a good reason to procrastinate. People don't want to change. I don't feel like that's actually, maybe that is part of the reason I've procrastinated too. If I start to do this, it's going to require me to change. Like if it's something okay. I want to do, uh-huh. so that, that's an interesting thing to explore. But as, as radio goes, yeah, nobody wants to be the one to lead the way because if it fails, they lose their job. And right now they say, I have this job and the longer I can hold out and keep this job. So let's really double down and keep things the way they are. And I think podcasts should have, should show radio that there is an appetite. People want to hear good content. Yeah. They want to hear shitty content because a lot of podcasts that I don't think are so great have big followings, but it's more interesting than what you can get for the most part in radio. But, you know, still to this point, and I understand there's maybe not as much money and, and you know, they've consolidated and voice tracking, but yeah, the change is slow to come. And that's a shame because I do still feel as though I've always said radio is a, an intimate medium. It's intimate. It's live. And you don't need the internet to be working, to be able to get a radio station. And if it's an AM station and it's 17 States only away from you or 10 States away from you and it's night, you can hear it. You know, you don't need uh, Oh man, I'm not getting my Wi-Fi. No, it's there. It's in the fucking sky and it's coming at you. Coming at you. That was terrible. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but it, it the, the procrastination at work in those kind of jobs certainly doesn't work now. I procrastinate getting the podcast ready sometimes. It'll, you know, my podcast, Radio Labyrinth, you know, we'll have a guest and it'll be an hour before. And then I'll text everyone and go, hey, I put some, I just put some questions up. And they're all, oh, yeah, we already have questions ready. We, we weren't waiting on you. And I should, oh, fuck, I should have done that. Um, I would find in that situation, I would love to have a marketing budget so that person could do all the things that I don't want to do 
to make the podcast that I do successful because <laughs> it's a lot of work. If you want your podcast to be successful and to be known, you have to work. And once it becomes a job, it's, I don't want to do this now. I'm just doing this for fun, but there are other people. And so that's why I, you know, I, I, I procrastinate less. That's, with- that's, that's the reason though. And I think going, you know, I, it was mentioned that I worked hard when I first got into radio, there was ignorance but it was something that I wanted. I was like, I want this. And in my mind, it was kind of tunnel vision. I didn't know how I was going to get it, meaning I wanted to get on the air. I was like, I want this. I'm here. And I enjoyed working hard. I wasn't even trying to show off. I was like, I'm around this and I'm excited and I'm invigorated and I'm going to make this happen. And then as I understand the inner workings of things a bit more and see, you know, radio can still be set up where you can just be on the air and other people do handle the other things you don't want to do yourself. It's changing in the mm-hmm. sense that they want talent to have their online presence that needs to be maintained. But this is something I don't want to do. And I think that any other creative endeavor that I think about, when I am into something, I don't procrastinate. You know, the things right. you don't want to do, we're talking about this. I don't think it's that crazy that we procrastinate and don't do the things. It's like, ah, it's here. It's, it's, it's bothersome. It's a nuisance in my life. But the things that I do want to do, I think it's because I understand or I see all the other things that have to go into it that surround it, the periphery. I just want to do the thing that's in the middle. Yeah. You know, and a podcast, <laughs> at least growing it, like you said, this, this one, one topic, I don't, maybe I should interact online. I don't. And it's not because I don't want to talk to people who like the show. I appreciate everyone who likes the show. And for the most part, I enjoy talking to them. I just don't. It, it feels like a chore. It feels like a lot of work to just be online and promoting the show is not something I do. I just say it'll, it'll be what it is. It is a chore to be online in a, in a situation like that. And I don't like it, but I've forced myself to just accept it and do it. I don't like, um, being, I don't like having to, okay, well on, on Monday morning, I got to post this on Tuesday morning. I got to post that there. I'll go through spates where I'll, I'll schedule shit for a week to post on Twitter and Facebook, and then I won't do it for two months. <laughs> like oh, people don't care; they're not interacting enough. People don't care, but that's when I'm not procrastinating. And then now I'm procrastinating on something else. But again, there are other people involved, so I've forced myself to—not forced, but I've allowed myself. That's a better word. I've allowed myself to um, be better at things. And procrastinating doesn't just live with me at, at work. You know, I, I had, I've had it at home, you know, but certainly before I got married, I never paid my bills on time. And it's not cause I didn't have the money. I just was like, eh, eh, I don't pay when I feel like it. That's the one thing I've always been on top of because it, it unsettles me when I know I owe people money. And, and I feel like that falls into the same thing. I want to be left alone. And if I owe you money, I'm not going to be left alone. So here, here, just don't ever call me. Don't ever send me anything in the mail because of that. I just applied for a car loan. I'm getting a car for whatever fucking reason in New York. Why do you need a car? I want one, okay. which makes me feel like a piece of shit because how dare I indulge? <laughs> it's like, you know, I, it was hard enough for me to like things that I need in life for the longest time. I pretended I didn't need anything. So to, right. to move into being comfortable with expressing needs to jumping to, I don't even need that. I just want it. So yeah. I can go places and escape the city and have nice weekend trips and do like that it's been a real battle. Uh, but the point is I got that, uh, that loan approval and I saw on the application, my credit score, 832. Nice. I'm going to get to that 850. I don't know how you do it. 
It's mythical. I'll, I'll reach it. Two years ago, I was at 540. <laughs> and now Just I'm two at, years ago. Yeah. And now I'm at 790. That's so, good. I, I mean, you have to, I mean, that's, it's important. I mean, in a lot, most of it has to do with the fact that I can't be, um, a, a loser with no credit and, and help out in, in my home when my wife and our, or and our baby on the way, I can't be like, uh, I think I just won't pay any of my debts and I'll just be a loser. And you know, you have, that's one thing I can't procrastinate about anymore, even though it still happens with certain things that like, I know I can take care of but no it's like when the bills are due you pay all of them and then you do it all in one day and you're like oh i feel good i did oh i want to go tell the world I, hey listen you know i'm 50 but i did everything i was supposed to do there's a reward aspect of things yeah uh you know only for yourself though because you know you're the only person you're impressing with doing something like that yeah but there like i would reward myself when i had to write a paper in college uh, i don't know <laughs> if you ever went to that apartment i had on collier road yeah yeah but I remember specifically putting off writing this paper. And then I did it the last night before. And then I thought I deserve to smoke pot now. And I, yeah. <laughs> I smoked so much pot that night. That was before it turned on me and I started getting paranoid. Like I could actually enjoy it. I went through that phase. My, my last year in college, I went through that phase. Every time I smoked it, I, I would, things would vibrate in my head and I'd get all anxious and paranoid. So I stopped for about three years. I never, I've never escaped that phase, sadly. Oh, no, no, I don't well, have that problem anymore. Maybe it's not sadly because then I could possibly be smoking. Quite You'd be in New York all, yeah, I feel like going to work, man. I stay home. Going back to what you said about the online presence, though, and you think people aren't engaging enough or they don't care. If mm. it was clear that they cared and they were, you know, large numbers of people were engaging, would that motivate you to do it more? No, I'd hide more if there were more people. And like we had one one guy post over last night. I was watching him post because I was up late, and I just kept saying, "You're getting an alert from this guy on the Radio Labyrinth Facebook page." And so I looked at some of them this morning, like "You fucking asshole, Tim Andrews sucking." I mean, it was ridiculous. And so you know, the Jeff, one of the co-hosts on Radio Labyrinth, was like, "Who is this guy?" And I don't know this guy. Uh, at one point, I may have known him. Whatever. So I just blocked him immediately. But can you imagine having 30, 40, 50 of those? I couldn't. There's I no can't. way I would be able to. Yeah, one of the you know bad reviews now, yeah, really affect me. Despite the number of nice reviews, because in my mind, like, hey, that's you're you're wrong about that. Sometimes it's right. Nah, whatever. If it, yeah. not everyone's going to like me, and I certainly well, I don't like the praise either. <laughs> oh, well, fuck, now I'm uncomfortable. Thanks. Well, that's the thing. I do think the people who praise, like you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. come on. Yeah, how how can you even believe this? Just doing the podcast in the first place. There, it was a difficult it was a hurdle or a wall I had to bust through. It's like, who do I think I am to even do a podcast in the yeah. first place? Yeah. The audacity. Cause you do put yourself out there and I think immediately you open yourself up and that certainly leads to me not doing things, uh, creatively, the things I want to do that I procrastinate on. It doesn't make sense because I have all these ideas in my mind. And I, I think I've realized that the way I've conduct myself in life is an outlet for creativity, meaning getting angry at things that it don't really matter, right? Blowing things out of proportion because I don't have an outlet for it, like that's focused. So it's just me. My life is the creative endeavor, and it doesn't. Look, it's yeah, I know. I know how you feel. I think of things. I think of stories. I think of dialogue. I think of uh, podcast ideas. I think of creative bits, and then I let it 
sit for a minute and then I'm like, eh, why would it? No one would want that. Or I don't have time to do that. Or blah, blah, blah. I know what you mean. I like it when they praise the other people on the show, though. That makes me happy that they get it. Other people on my podcast. Why aren't you deserving of the praise then? What is this about your your own self-view? It just because- em- it embarrasses me. Because I don't feel I'm worth it, but I know that I am. And I know that if people like something, I, I'm i still a fanboy of certain things. And I'll go online and say, hey, God, that was so funny. And I really like that. And thank you. And, and then I feel stupid for sending it. But I still do it. So. There's an interesting contradiction in that you don't think you're worthy of people liking you. And you don't think that you're good enough. But I also know that somewhere in your mind, you do think, I'm very fucking talented. Mm-hmm. Why aren't people clamoring? for my services why aren't they <laughs> that's calling me thing. knocking down the door saying tim give yep. us your ideas i know i know um you know th- that thing is you know you're so funny and you do voices why aren't you on such and such network why aren't you doing animated shows well because no one asks me to do them well no 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 you need to get an agent and you need to make a demo tape and you need to knock on people's doors i'm not doing that could you imagine if i tried doing that i would procrastinate too much how many but, people are not getting their ideas out there who actually are talented because of the way the process goes? Look, I know that if you don't put anything out there, if you don't put yourself out there at all, there's no way for you to be, quote, discovered. But well, I, I, I wish the system were a bit different because it does lend itself. It's not laziness. There are some people who aren't good at that or who, who you know, it, it feels disingenuine to... Yeah. It, put put yourself out there kissing ass, sucking up. It's like everyone knows that's what I'm doing. And so in my mind, if someone was doing that to me, I wouldn't even want to see what they had to offer. I'm like, come on, what, you're you're fake. This is I don't I don't like what you're doing right now. So me doing it, I think of it the same way. Where if it, it would be so obvious what I was trying to do. Right. It's someone to feel good about themselves and the power that they have. I can't do that. And I think of all the people who are in the same boat and it's only gotten worse. Like before there were gatekeepers, you could present your stuff to those gatekeepers. Maybe it required a little finessing ass kissing. But if you knew somebody, you could. Yes. That made it a lot easier as well. The fact that it does tie to, you do it all yourself now, all the promotion. That is a different skill. Promoting, marketing is a totally different skill. And uh, it. It's an ex- like it's a very complicated issue why I don't work on many things I say I want to work on, but that certainly is one of them. And how do you market to um, a group of people that you don't understand, which, you know, you get much below your age and I don't I wouldn't know how to market to those people. I really wouldn't, you know, and everything that they consume, everything that they view, everything that they take in comes from the Internet and it just gets worse every day. You know, two seconds on TikTok and it's all over the world. Then that person is famous for two minutes and that person's gone. <laughs> and and that's just everything is disposable, disposable, disposable. So I think now, um, you know, and getting in just to, to get back to the to the, you know, why I'm not doing voiceover work all over the place that like radio or any other industry is who, you know, and if you don't know people, um, you're not going to get in. And if you do know people uh, and you want to get in, well, they're already in and they only need you for a certain thing. And if you're really, really creative, they're just like us. Well, I don't want that person here because they might usurp me. Now, I'm not saying that's my experience at all because I was the work I've done has been very specific. 
and I haven't really bothered people. Uh, early on, I was like, hey, well, you should hire me to do this. And when are you going to hire me? And, and when are you going to hire me? Well, what do you have to bring to the table? I don't have, I'll, I'll let you know that when you hire me. That's, that was my mindset. So I never did any work. You're in, in an interesting spot, though, because you are on the air in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So at least people there know you or have the potential to know you if they don't listen to the show. But, you know, the show is highly rated. So I'm sure that through all your radio work, a lot of people at least recognize your name. So mm-hmm. that it's who you know, while you may not know them directly, I feel as though there may still be an easier in for you to talk to people at least. True, true. And then also there's there's probably thanks to social media where everybody knows everybody's politics. Last year, I probably drove a lot of people crazy because I lost my mind for about a month and a half. <laughs> just fighting with people and saying stupid shit, which I, I don't do anymore. I dialed it back. I'll make snarky comments, but I don't, you know, I don't have the time for that. I, like I said, I have, um, you know, the child on the way and, um, um, that will be where all my focus is, you know, there and work, you know, home and work, that'll be it. And I'll give you an example, just another procrastination thing. Um, Caitlin, my wife bought a, a new ceiling fan and it's been in the basement for months like, well, I need you to replace that one in the uh, living room. And I know how to do it. Um, normally, I'll start out and I'll forget something and then I'll get really, really angry and uh, smash stuff. This is the old me. But just angry out of frustration that I don't know what I'm doing and then it, it's causing me discomfort or I'm mad that I can't do it the way it should be done. So yesterday morning, I get up and I'm going to do this because it needs to be done. So I get the box out and I look at it and I read the manual first, which is a first. And then I lay out all the parts I need. And I put them in order of assembly and I do everything the right way and I'm all excited. And then I go to put just the little glass thing on it, you know, the little screw in uh, shade over the LED light and it cracked and I was livid and I started <laughs> screaming and I, uh, but, but the victory was, is that I had stopped procrastinating, but it, in reality, it took months longer than it should have. I should have just said, okay, I'll get to that this weekend and got it done. And when you have to be, um, when you have to be accountable for things like that to a spouse, it really behooves you to do it because it gets you in a frame. Not because it's something they want, but it's just something that, you know, it's it's courteous, you know, because she'd never do that to me. So why be lazy and why let dishes sit in the sink and stuff like that? So helping out is is one way to get you out of that, I think. I still procrastinate, and I'm sure she would attest to that, but... It, I feel like I'm accomplishing something worthwhile in that more than I would ever for a job, <laughs> if that makes any sense at all. It makes a lot of sense. You said a, accountability. Mm-hmm. And that's something for whatever reason, I feel like I'm striving to have more of. I want to be held accountable. I want to have things in my life that require my attention because for whatever reason, the system I was living, which really, you also mentioned discomfort. Mm-hmm. it's an inability to deal with the discomfort that comes along with things. Yes, I don't like this job. It makes me uncomfortable or it stresses me out. It's not even that I don't like the job. This comes into play. It makes me uncomfortable because there's a lot and I don't know how to do this. And it makes me feel as though I'm a fraud. That's a big part of a lot of this. Mm-hmm. And I can't deal with that so well. So I'm going to procrastinate and push those feelings. Really what you're doing is pushing just that anxiety away for as long right. as you can. But it doesn't go away. You have to deal with it at some point. And, you know, the discomfort of doing something that you care about. I like this. I believe in this. I'm going to put it out there and then assholes are going to critique it and rip it to shreds. <laughs> I don't want to deal with that. That makes me uncomfortable. 
the discomfort of having to sell yourself. Yes. This is, this is, you know, we, we, we talk about, I don't remember some of the specific projects before. And I know I kind of threw it out there like the future plex was like, Hey, I would like to, you know, the future plex was the thing we did an episode on one topic about it, but you know, the retroplex was on 99 X Steve Craig would play music of the past. And so I said, I'm going to play music of the future, uh-huh. created the future plex, whatever. I still believe in that idea. And it's actually something that I, I put out there and I collaborated on with my friends who wrote music and, as ridiculous as it is, it's something I'm proud of. Like, I think I put that on commercial radio. So knowing that it also ultimately, I think not directly got me fired, but <laughs> it, it, it set in motion. Hey, we've got to reel him in. And I said, no, no, right. but you know, I don't regret it. So I think at some point I wanted to expand as like, Hey, what if we maybe made this a cartoon and the, it never even got to a meeting. It was like, Hey, Tim, I'll be in town. You said, let's go to lunch. Yeah, great. And then we don't go to lunch. Right. And, and quite often these things pop up and we talk about uh, doing our own podcast. Which yeah, we've talked about that a lot. And I, I, I think that, you know, this is the first time you and I have ever done uh, anything like this ever. Right. Yes. And we've been, we, oh God, I almost said we've been knowing each other. We've known each other for a long time. And it made me think of the time you, me, uh, Tim Frazier and your friend Kent got together to try to write TV stuff back in 2004. You remember? And we never did it. <laughs> we got together one day and uh, I think uh, somebody introduced me to little. Oh God, what's his name? Okay. Anyway, we ended up watching. Who was Ch- that? We got high and ended up watching Chappelle instead of doing any work. Um, I do remember this. And I, I feel as though we probably drove that. Like the, the not writing, you bring up that team of people they were going to write with and no offense to the other people. I feel like we are probably the more talented ones. Yeah. But I mean, Tim's been out in California working at the same job for a long time. Uh, <laughs> so, and, and Tim's Tim, who is Virgin Murray on the regular guys for anyone listening who understands this little universe of right. people. Uh, look, he was a hard worker and he was good at producing and I don't want to shit on him. He's a good example, though, of people who maybe don't overthink these things and just go do them. Yeah. And yeah. they get further. And it makes sense. Yeah, he doesn't weigh himself down with minutia. He just goes forward, goes forward. And, you know, I weigh myself down. You weigh yourself down. Think about all the ways to get out of something before you, you know, it's like, oh, I have this long journey I have to make. Can I just get off of it's all never go there and it's all bullshit though all the weighing down i've come to realize i use as an excuse to not do things sure before it was i can't control this this is out of this no this is what i'm using to keep me from doing the things i want to do and i brought up accountability i was like i've i've got a job now where i am responsible for quite a few things and i've settled in and all it took was me understanding how to do it well gave me some confidence and it's like, Hey, I like this. I enjoy doing this. Mm-hmm. So working through some of that discomfort, again, having knowledge only goes so far. I can have all the knowledge in the world. I know that I smoke pot and get paranoid, but every once in a while I think maybe it'll be different this time. And mm-hmm. I smoke and it's not any different. It doesn't keep me from smoking pot. Meaning I know that if I put myself, throw myself into something, and figure out how to do it so it works for me that I'll feel good about myself. But all that shit still exists up front. Mm-hmm. That's still hard to, to break through. I Listen, do. Go ahead. 
Well, and just the accountability though, I am introducing more things. Like I wanted at this point, yeah. the way I was living, avoiding it, it just, it, it ran its course. And, you know, I, I was saying that I think my creativity was coming out through my life. I didn't mean that as, oh, this is a wonderful, it was a terrible outlet. It's just, I had this stuff inside of me. I didn't know what to do with it. It's coming out. I'm annoying as fuck because everything's the big deal. I'm trying to get to a restaurant and I see other people walking in the same direction and I think they're going to the same restaurant and they're going to get there before me. And I get so stressed out. I got to run and sprint and get in front of them. Or, you know, I misplace my keys every, my apartment is not big. And all yeah. it would take is putting my keys in a specific spot. I don't do it. And every time I leave, I can't find my keys and mm -hmm. it becomes a big production. Oh my God, where the hell are, and somewhere in my mind, I like that. It's like, this is a show. Mm -hmm. this is, if I was doing creative things, that shit would go away. It would. And I, I, I used to, I used to need a ride everywhere. I never had a car. And this was in 94. My friend was going to take me to, he was a student teacher. So he was going to take me and drop me off in another town. And I had a ride back or whatever, but so I could do Christmas shopping. Well, I couldn't find my wallet. He had to go. I set up this scenario. My room was a mess. I ended up knocking my bed over and ripping shit out of my dresser and screaming while he's standing there watching me. I'm losing my shit. Finally, I find it. And I'm, let's go. And then I carried that with me the whole day. And I, I mean, shit, that was 30 years ago, whatever. And I could still feel that way now at some point, you know, and it comes from the procrastination. Every, I mean, once you reach that point where you blow, you can look back and immediately see every step that got you to where you are and how you could have avoided it. Mm -hmm. So now I try to, to put, you know, try to take care of all those steps so I don't blow up for no reason. And it wasn't easy last year because of all the shit that happened. I'm not going to be specific about it, but you know, being locked down and, and being this and that and everything like that. I just, I let all that come into my head and then it all exploded back out on people and, um, that I won't do anymore. You know, and, and my poor wife, when the news is on, she has to hear me. Blah, 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 blah. So now I try not to do that so much. Having because someone else around, I think also frames things you know quite often in my relationships i would limit seeing the people two times a week mm -hmm. and they'd still have to put up with this shit but i uh you know hanging out with someone on a more regular basis i notice it more i'm like oh this person's going to be subject to this uh, like they'll they'll be gone soon mm -hmm. it's 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 put it in a perspective where i realize that living this way and having other people have to deal with it. So your wife having to deal with you yelling at the yeah. news. Yeah. At some point, it's like, this is not entertaining. This is not a show. This is not fun for anyone. And especially I, her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I really need to figure out a different outlet for this stuff. And I had this idea for a long time too, that misery living, making, making my life harder than it needed to be would inspire creativity. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people buy into this. Yeah, they do buy into it because they see other people who've done it. And like, oh, I want to be like Charles Bukowski and an alcoholic living in the slum in Los Angeles and having sex with ugly hookers. And no, you don't want that. You, you don't, don't want that at all. And no. all the people who were miserable and did make it, the few people, think of the thousands that lived that life and didn't make it. I or the people who did and then ended up killing themselves, like Robin Williams, who was always struggling with depression. Yeah, there's something, people romanticize it still, though. Right. I, they, they look at it and they think that's something they would want. It's like, that was a real person. Would you want to be dead now already? Would you have went to struggled with that? 
in my mind, though, living a life that was more difficult than it needed to be would inspire creativity. But all it really made me do was shut down, isolate, uh, you know, at a period where I was using drugs, pills. It's like, this is not doing anything good. No. And changing my life a bit, setting it up where I am more productive and I'm, I'm living a little bit more comfortably, like buying a car yeah. or not in the shittiest apartment in the world. Like my last one that had low ceilings and it was dark and it was, you know, falling apart, rotting window frames. I think this is it. This is the New York life. Yeah. Heroin attic, three floors up. <laughs> um, you know, setting myself up, having this, this full-time job, doing the stuff with the radio show, like I feel better about myself and that in itself has actually inspired me to be more vo motivated to do creative things. Yeah. I'm working on many other small side things, helping people out with their creative things, but like writing some things myself. And we've talked about doing our own podcast and I do want to do the podcast we talked about. I don't want to procrastinate or just not do that. No, I like that, that one. And I think that we could take a lot of the, uh, the negative, uh, shit that we, we allow into our brains, dump it into there. And then it's isolated. <laughs> we can just isolate it there and other people out there who aren't, in media or radio think the same way that we do. And, you know, I, I think that it would be a good place for them to go. Oh yeah. And then they can, but anyway, that's putting the cart before the horse. Well, we can, I mean, to, to set it up, the idea, the working idea is that we just talk about the dark shit that goes through our brains. Yeah. And what we see and how we interpret it, what we see in our own minds, which, as you said, I think a lot of people will relate to on some level, maybe it's not as extreme, but everyone does have these thoughts. I think some people, uh, notice them more. Some people are better at dismissing them, but I think it's a, it's a good idea for a show. And I do want to do that. And I feel motivated to do it. Um, you know, as far as, as this show was going, I'm going to continue to do it. Uh, and I, autumn will be back. Yeah. Uh, again, this was just a scheduling thing for, for this week. So you're just going to feel bad that she wasn't on it, delete <laughs> this one and then re-record it later. <laughs> no, no, I, I've enjoyed this episode. Okay. <laughs> Um, I was pointing that out though, as far as our, the, the podcast I want to do with you, there were things, obviously the relationship with autumn and things I needed to work through. And I felt like my energy was kind of wrapped up in that, but yeah, that we're going to go back to just doing normal shows where we talk about pepper or <laughs> which will be strange. I like pepper. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be strange just to try to jump back into talking about mundane topics after the last few episodes we've done on this show. But, uh, I think we can do that and I do want to do it. And, you know, I, I'm telling you, and I've told you already, but I'll tell you again here, that I wasn't trying to avoid doing the podcast with you. I just wanted to get through that. But I do oh, I know. It. And then I worry about, well, if I start bugging him about it, then I'm going to be like annoying. Well, that's and... a whole other thing we could talk about. Yeah, I know. The imposing. I don't want to be a bother to anyone. Yeah. I can't ask like... for things. And I, and I beat that in my life because when, when somebody didn't like me or somebody broke up with me, even if I didn't care, two minutes after that happened, I would start caring and then sending all these texts and why well, get back to me and what about me and what about me and, my, blah, blah, blah. and I'm not like that anymore. And uh, even if the, the trickle comes into my mind to be that way, I kick it out. And that's from therapy and learning how to deal with that stupid, that's one of the worst emotions. Uh, I don't want you paying attention to me. Oh, you stopped paying attention to me? Now I'm angry. <laughs> you know, so, a lot of people deal with that. And I, I got tired of that fucking, that, that's one of the worst things that I'm, I'm done with. And uh, 
I can control it. So you can control some of these things. I, get, I thought you had more. I thought you were taking no. a breath. You can. No, like procrastination. You can learn how to continue to procrastinate on stupid shit. As long as the stuff that's important to your life, you don't procrastinate. Again, it's the discomfort. That's what I've realized. It's like, it's just, I don't like any discomfort really on any level. And it's mm -hmm. all an avoidance of that. And that's what procrastination is. Writing a paper in school can be a little, I was good at it, but it was a little uncomfortable because I had to challenge myself a bit. Yes. Uh, I, I didn't want to do that. I just wanted not to think, not to feel, just lay around. Some people say, I can't sit around. I could sit around constantly and do nothing forever. <laughs> I'd probably be okay. It's starting to change yeah. a, a, a bit because like, I realize that if I get through my whole life, I was like, you didn't even try. Again, this is cliche. If you try, nothing happens. Fine. I, right. But get, <laughs> I didn't, I don't know. I didn't really try anything. Well, I don't know how I'll feel about that. Ultimately, it doesn't matter when you die, but there's the period where you're old <laughs> for a little it, bit. Yeah. And, and I've, I've reached the, I'm getting old period and you can't drag that, that youthful way of, well, I'll get to it eventually. Pretty soon it's eventually. And you're like, I never got to it. So, well, that was my idea with life is maybe I was just procrastinating until the end. And then there's an explosion of creativity <laughs> before I die. Yeah. You cram and then you get it all done and then, Oh, I can't enjoy it. <laughs> That's the end. Yeah. The end. All right. Well, we can end the show on that note. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of one topic. Thank you, Tim, for joining the show. Tell people about radio labyrinth. Thank you for having me. Radio labyrinth is a, Pretty much a Gen X, uh, millennial, uh, targeted, well, I guess boomer podcast where we talk about all sorts of weird stuff. Um, our most recent episode, we speak with uh, one of the judges from uh, the History Channel show Forged in Fire, which um, some people are like, what? Which no. one? Uh, Jay Nielsen. Do you watch that show? I, I binge watched it. It will keel, but that's the yeah. that's Marcada, right? Yeah, that's uh, Doug Markaida. And then, no, uh, there's two guys who take turns. They're the weapons experts. And one's Jay Nielsen. And we, we got the whole thing lined up because one of our listeners was a contestant on the most recent episode. And he's an old TRG guy. He used to live down here. Now he lives up in Rhode Island. But anyway, so he suggested, you know, Jay would be the good one to talk to. And he turned out to be great. We spoke with him for about 90 minutes. He's, he, he, his shop is in a town that's 30 minutes, 30, 40 minutes from where I grew up weird up in pennsylvania so weird coincidence but he was really cool i love that show it's like i i want it now i want to go make there's a place downtown atlanta where you can for like a hundred bucks take a class and make a, a knife out of a railroad spike now i want to do it <laughs> think i will i don't know would you enjoy would you even enjoy it so even I if you got know. there and it's going to be hard to, to make a knife out of i signed up for a photography class at uh was it Callenwald or whatever? It was on uh, Briarcliff. They they had all these creative classes. I signed up, paid 180 bucks. I went to one class. I'm like, ah, I don't want to go back. Yeah, starting it is just the. That's not it. Quite no. often, I started it. Great, no, because then when it's something you're not so good at or something that requires you to learn that nobody expects you to be perfect or even good at when you first start. It's like, I can't deal with this. I hate this. It makes me feel bad that I can't yeah. turn this railroad spike into a knife seamlessly. Well, this is it's a one day thing, so I may do it. Right, um, and I, I looked at the website. I don't know. I'll tell you off air what I started thinking because I was looking at all the images. I'm like, oh, I can't. Anyway, I'll tell you. Um, started being judgmental by looking at the people that were teaching it and and that were there. I'm like, oh, this is just hipster shit. So I'll just be honest. I'd be like, 
So that was how my mind works. And that's me saying, now you don't want to do this, but I really want to, I want to make a knife. I want to, I want to grind the steel and hit it with a hammer. Making excuses. Oh, if I do this, then I'll be like those people that I don't like. And nobody can think that I'm even like them. Or how can we have the same thoughts? I can't have anything in common with a person like that. Yeah. Talk yourself out of They'll it. They'll find out I work for WSB and hate me because think I'm a right wing Nazi. <laughs> I don't know. You have to hide that. Yeah. It's not even on your resume. There's just a gap. Why didn't you work for from 2015 through whenever the show ends? Oh, uh, uh, well, till January 6th, uh, uh, when I went up to Washington, uh, uh, <laughs> D.C., you mean? I have neighbors who went to that. But anyway, that's another topic. All right. I'll promote the hot sauce, too, if I remember. Hoff and Pepper. It's good hot sauce. Good. I've had it. It is. It is good. I, they sent some to me also, Michelle, mm-hmm. who runs that with her husband. Uh, I enjoyed it. Use the promo code one topic 15 and you get 15% off. I think that's right. Autumn usually does this part, but that seems to be right. Hoffman Pepper. She's good at the hard sell. Yes, very good. She always stumbles through it, but I'm not doing any better. Anyway, <laughs> thanks again, Tim. Thank you. Greg. Hey, Autumn. Do you like hot sauce? You know, I do like hot sauce, but I'm getting pretty bored of my regular Texas Peter Tabasco. I'm looking for a local sauce without mm. any additives or extracts, a company that uses local peppers so it's as fresh as possible, and a company that really cares about the integrity of the sauce and where their ingredients come from. Definitely. And hey, while we're at it, I don't want a sauce with too many ingredients. Mm -mm. You know, a lot of other sauces out there, they have all kinds of fillers. So I'd love to find a sauce with, I don't know, what, let's say no more than five ingredients. I mean, it's crazy, but there's gotta be a company out there that hand processes their sauce. You know, bottling and labeling every bottle themselves. I'm probably asking a lot. Well, you really are, but there is a hot sauce out there who only uses five ingredients. What? zero fillers, additives, or extracts, and who bottles, labels, and packages everything themselves. It's called Hoff Sauce. What? They're a small batch hot sauce company out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, that's won best Louisiana style sauce in the country. How many times? Not once, not twice, three times. Three times! How does that sound, Greg? I think that sounds amazing. You know how you can get your own bottle of no, hot sauce? No, no. Tell me, please, now. Hoffandpepper.com. And not only am I giving you the gift of the best hot sauce that you'll ever taste, I'm going to give you 15% off if you use the code 1TOPIC15. Hold on. That's... Yes. Get a pen and paper. 1TOPIC15. Good. That's O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-1-5. All squished together at checkout. You'll get 15% off your order and your life will be better. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs>